Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Zacchaeus was rich and gravitationally challenged. (laughs) The Bible says he was short of stature. Every time I think of Zacchaeus, I don't know why, I can't help it, I think of Danny DeVito. (laughs) I'm serious. Listen, I think I'm on to something. I'm on to something. If you want to make a movie, right, and you're going to make us some money, I say us because I'm getting a cut because I'm giving you this idea. Make a movie about Zacchaeus and cast Danny DeVito as the star. Well, let's move on. (laughs) The Bible says that he was short. Now, listen, this is a picture of him being short. This is a picture of all of us because the Bible says, listen, we are all short spiritually. Romans chapter 3, you take a note, you write that down, tells us that we have all sinned and come what? Short of the glory of God. We've all come short, not just of being pretty, a pretty good guy, but we've come short of the glory of God. Zacchaeus couldn't see above the crowd because he was short, but he wanted to see Jesus so bad, he did something very undignified for a rich man. He climbs up into a tree. Now remember, the fame of Jesus had spread abroad. Everybody knew about Jesus. The whole known world had heard about Jesus, had heard about this man who hangs out with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors and drug users and addicts of every kind. His fame and heals people and and touches people and forgives people's sin. His fame has spread abroad. Everyone has heard of Jesus. Zacchaeus heard of Jesus, who was the friend of prostitutes, and and he probably, like us, recently heard that Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus. We learned that last week. And so he has to get to see this man. Point number two, the seeking Savior in verse 5. Go ahead and look at it. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, and he didn't let anything get in the way. Not the crowd, not his reputation, not his money, and not even his height. He had to see Jesus, and so he climbed up into a sycamore tree, and he got the best seat in the house. Because he's sitting on a branch, the crowd is thick, heading toward Jerusalem, and Zacchaeus is looking below. And all of a sudden, Jesus stopped and looked up. And he saw him, and he said, hey, Zach, come down. I'm coming over your house. Jesus, noticed, called him publicly. Jesus wasn't embarrassed to call him publicly. And he wasn't embarrassed to take Jesus into his home publicly. And we should not be, listen to me, we should not be embarrassed to to publicly profess that we are Christians. Can somebody clap your hands like you mean it? Would you do it? 
We should not be ashamed to call ourselves Christians. And that's why, you know, from time to time when I feel so led, um, I'll have an altar call and have people stand. And then uh, those who make a profession of faith, I have them remain standing. I have everybody else sit down. And I want everybody to see that individual who made a profession of Jesus Christ. I think it's important. And the reason it's important because if you cannot stand in this room with believers, is anybody listening to me? If you can't stand in this room with believers, people of like mind, like yourself, and stand at your feet and make a public profession of, of Jesus Christ and that you love him, if you can't do it in here, you certainly are not going to be able to do it out there. And if you, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. I'll wait. And that's why I, I give you the opportunity to start getting yourself ready to tell people about Jesus Christ. I almost put you on the tarmac and say, okay, you stand in here, get yourself ready. When you go out there, you tell people you're a Christian because Satan is seeking to silence the believers because he doesn't want us. Listen. He does not want us talking about the name of Jesus because the Bible says that there's power in the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, I'm going to wait. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Somebody help me. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Satan knows there's power in that name. There's no power in no other name but the name of Jesus. Think about that. No other name. Rodney. That does give you a sense of power. But not quite. Mike. Larry. I'm looking at Pete. Petey. There definitely ain't no power in that. <laughs> and I should be very careful because he's a really big person. And, and he could squash me. But, uh, you know, there's no power in any other name but the name of Jesus. And Satan doesn't want you to be talking about the name of Jesus and telling people about the name of Jesus and, and, and being public about your faith because there's power in his name. Never be ashamed of Jesus. We shouldn't be embarrassed when we accept Christ into our lives. Did you notice this? Did you notice that there was no, watch this, there was no formal introduction between Jesus and Zacchaeus? Nobody, Jesus, Zacchaeus is up in the tree looking down. Jesus is walking by. He stops and he looks up and he says, hey, Zacchaeus. Nobody ever said, uh, Zach, uh, meet Jesus, Jesus, Zach, uh, introduce each other. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, man, how you doing? What's up? Nothing like that happened. Jesus just walked up, looked up, and said, Zacchaeus, Come down. Now, why is that? Two reasons. Number one, because the Bible says that Jesus is omniscient. Omniscient, that means he knows everything. The Bible also tells us that he calls his sheep by name. And Zacchaeus is about to become a sheep. And I wonder, listen, I just wonder, this is probably the first time that Zacchaeus heard his name called out in a loving way since his mama called him down for breakfast. Because remember, tax collectors were hated. Nobody ever talked kind to a tax collector. Nobody ever said, oh, Zacchaeus, how are you? Are you having a nice day? 
No one ever said that. It was Zacchaeus, you tax collector, you low-life scum of the earth, dirtbag, and more. Nobody ever said his name in a loving way but his mother and Jesus. And Jesus walks, walks up, looks up, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming over to your house for dinner. And I'm sure that that did something in his heart. Jesus told him to come down quickly. I must go to your house for dinner. Our last point, point number three, the spectacular salvation in verses 6 through 10. Jesus, go ahead and peruse verse 6 through 10. Jesus invites himself over for dinner. Verse 6 tells us that Zacchaeus quickly came down and received him joyfully. And the idea is like a happy kid. He received him joyfully. Zacchaeus couldn't believe that Jesus would sit at the table and fellowship with him. And isn't that true of every believer? We can, you cannot believe it. If, if you are a Christian, you could not believe it. And I know you know what I'm talking about, that Jesus actually came into your heart when you asked him. And maybe at that time you were very burdened. Anybody know what I'm talking about so far? And, and maybe you were very burdened and you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And, and all of a sudden when you confess Christ and receive in your heart, your burdens were lifted. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, that's right. And, and, and you, you couldn't believe it. And you were overwhelmed. When I became a Christian, I couldn't believe it. I honestly couldn't believe it. That God had actually changed my life. I knew my life was changed. And from that moment on, realizing how God changed my life, I thought in my mind, if God is this good and God is able to change me, then he can change anybody. And I'm going to tell. I said it that night. I'm going to tell everyone I ever see about Jesus. I made it my mission in life. I wanted to tell people about Jesus. I wanted them to know the God that, that, that changed my life. And so I, I, I became a street preacher. I, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do. And nobody ever, I didn't take the evangelism 101 class. Nobody ever told me. I just got dressed up on a Friday night. I went down to Oceanside, California, standing on the corner. And I just started screaming at people. I mean, literally, people are like walking by, and or people would come by, and I'm standing with my big Bible and my suit, and I'm looking like I'm going to pounce on them, and and so, and I say, I'd, I'd say, and I didn't, I didn't, nobody ever told me like, you know, you should, you know, you know, there's a way to win people to Christ, and you know, nobody ever gave me the four spiritual laws and the ten steps to salvation. Nobody ever gave me all that. I just went out and started telling people about Jesus. So people would come up, and I'd say, this was my, this was my, my method. Um, hi. Uh, my name is Rodney. Are you a Christian? Uh, no. Uh, you're going to hell. <laughs> Just like that. And then they would walk away. And then after a while, and then people wouldn't walk on my side of the street. I'll never forget this. And I'm wondering why people were not walking on my side of the street. So I started yelling at people across the street. I'm like, hey, are you a Christian? People are like... <laughs> <laughs> Walk by that guy. I just want to tell people I was excited. Wives, you know what I'm talking about. You get excited when you gave your life to Christ. Maybe your husband wasn't a Christian. That happens a lot. And, and, and you gave your life to Christ, and you get excited, and you get overwhelmed, and you want to tell him about Jesus. And so you start making him lunch for, for, for work, and you slip a track in his sandwich. And then when he goes to bite in, he... He takes it out and reads and goes, repent, sinner. Oh, what's that? 
<laughs> or he's in the bathroom taking a shower, it's all steamed up and everything, and you sneak in, he's all sudsy and soapy, and then you sneak in and you write on the mirror, repent or die. <laughs> you know, but it's just, you're just excited. You're just, you just want to share the gospel with your family, with your friends. Zacchaeus couldn't believe it, so he comes down, and they go to Zacchaeus' house. Please look at verse 7. But when they saw it, they complained in Jesus and, and said, Jesus has gone to be a guest in the house of a sinner. Now, between, listen closely, between verse 7 and 8, the curtain closes. We don't know what the dinner conversation was about, and we don't know how much time has passed. But we do know when the curtain lifts in verse 8, are you looking at it? Zacchaeus has a new God. In verse 8, Zacchaeus stands up and he says, Lord, he says, I'll give my goods, half my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anybody by false accusation, I'll restore it fourfold. It's interesting because he goes into the appointment with Jesus, controlled and mastered by money to get, and he comes out of that appointment ready to give. Zacchaeus, without being asked by the Lord, says, I'm giving half my goods to the poor, and any person that I've wronged, I'm going to restore to them fourfold. Now, the law required that if you cheated someone, you only had to give a fifth or 20%. Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give back fourfold. Before Christ, Zacchaeus was mastered by greed, and now he's mastered by grace. Look at verse 9 and 10. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. Now, again, we don't know much about what happened between verse 7 and 8, but after Jesus shared with him, his faith was ignited, and he believed, and he got saved. He is a son of Abraham because Abraham was the father of, anybody know? Faith, exactly. So now Zacchaeus is a Christian. And in verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Some of the greatest, listen, some of the greatest, most powerful statements of Jesus are only recorded one time in the four Gospels. For example, John chapter 3, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. And he said, unless a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. In John chapter 3, that's the only place you'll find that statement in all four Gospels. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That statement you'll only find in the Gospel of Mark of all the four Gospels. And then in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This, if you're taking notes, you can write it in your margin. This is the gospel in a simple sentence. And notice there's not a word in it that has two syllables. Not a word in it that has two syllables. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Now, what does Jesus mean when he talks about the loss? It means, listen to be alienated and separated from God. It means to be living without hope in this life and the life to come. You are lost. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. Nobody has to be lost because Jesus is on a certain rescue mission to save those that are lost. 
Jesus didn't come to point the finger at the lost. He came to save them. He didn't come to condemn the lost. He came to save them. Jesus is looking for people who need to be saved. You are lost, listen, you are lost because you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You are not lost, listen very carefully, you are not lost because of your sin. Your sin will not send you to hell. Did you hear me? Your sin will not send you to hell. Some of y'all are like, great. I knew I came to church for a reason today. My sin won't send me to hell. That's what the pastor said. No, your sin will not send you to hell. There's only one sin, listen, that sends people to hell, and that's the rejection of Jesus Christ as Savior. Whatever you've done, that won't send you to hell. Jesus can forgive every sin that anybody has ever committed. Somebody clap your hands like that's true, would you? He can forgive any sin that anybody's ever committed, but the sin that Jesus Christ cannot and will not forgive is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Heaven, listen. If you heard nothing I said today, please hear me. Heaven is filled with forgiven murderers, forgiven adulterers, forgiven pedophiles, forgiven perverts of all descriptions. God even forgives the sin, watch this, God even forgives the sin of rejecting Christ, the person of Christ. God will forgive that. And y'all got my quiet. What I mean is this. It's happened to me. Before I got saved, there was a gentleman who would talk to me about the Lord all the time. And he would say, you know, would you like to receive Christ? And I, no, 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 not now, not now. I'm just, uh, I got stuff to do, people to see, places to go. I'm still young. I'll do that when I get old, you know. And, and I rejected Christ. Uh, some of you have been like that too. Maybe somebody shared the gospel with you at one point and you rejected Christ. But then at a later time, someone shared the gospel with you. That other person just actually sowed a seed. They planted a seed. At a later time, somebody else came and shared the gospel with you, and you received Christ. Or maybe you were in a church, in the pulpit, and the pastor said, hey, if you want to receive Christ and become born again, then you come down this aisle right now, or you stand at your feet right now, and you gave your life to Jesus Christ, and you became a Christian. Well, God forgave your rejection of Christ. He will forgive you if you reject the person of Christ, but God cannot and will not forgive you if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Where you get that from, Rodney? Matthew chapter 12, verse 32. It says, if you speak against Jesus, you can be forgiven. But if you speak against the Holy Spirit, you won't be forgiven in this age or the age to come. Now, when God says something will not be forgiven, listen, that means millions of ages from now, Should the Lord tarry, his verdict will stand like granite. If you again and again refuse to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you are determined and defiant not to receive Christ, if you die, you cannot be forgiven. The Bible calls that the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Anybody understand what I'm talking about now? The Bible calls that the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. There's always time. You never need to give up hope until that person takes their last breath. 
When you take your last breath, then it's too late. And when you stand before God, God's not going to say, you know, I think I'll make an exception for you. When you were on the earth, you were cute. I think I'll make an exception for you. You can come on in. You've rejected my son. You've rejected the Holy Spirit. But I'll make an exception for you. No. God will not and cannot forgive the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And listen, there is a danger of a person blaspheming the Holy Spirit so much so that they are unable to respond to the call of God, that they are not able to repent and be forgiven. That's why the Bible says, listen, today is a day of salvation. If any man hears my voice, don't harden your heart. Because when you harden your heart, here's how it works, people. When you harden your heart, the next time somebody shares the gospel and you harden your heart, the next time somebody shares the gospel, you harden your heart, the next time somebody shares the gospel with you, you harden your heart, you build up a callus over your heart to the point where the next time somebody shares the gospel with you, you won't want to be forgiven. And the Bible says at some point, and I don't know when this point is, but in Romans it talks about God turning you over to a reprobate mind. Turning you over to a reprobate, reprobate mind, another sermon, but it simply means that you have gotten to the point where you have blasphemed the Holy Spirit so much and you are so callous that God knows that you will never get saved and thus he establishes you in the position that you have chosen. And that's a bad place. That's why the Bible says a day is a day of salvation. That's why I don't underestimate kids. Today, we got 40 people being baptized I bet you there are probably 10, 12 of them are kids, age ranging from 5, 6, 7 to 12. I bet you there is, and I think that's a blessing. I think that's a blessing. You know, we, what we do, kids at VBS, I do it all the time. We have VBS, you know our VBS here is kind of crazy, and you say to the kids, okay, now close your eyes. Now, who wants to take Jesus into their heart? I want you to close your eyes and raise your hand if you want to take Jesus in your heart. And all the kids go. It's a kid thing. Your body has to go. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) It is. And they raise their hand quickly. And do you know the percentages are the greatest percentage of people who receive Christ are in the younger ages? And the smaller percentages of people who receive Christ are in the older ages. Why? Because when you're a kid, you, you, your heart is soft. Don't ever underestimate it when a kid says, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And you can get saved in the older ages too. Last night, I gave an altar call after this sermon, and two people got saved. I was blessed. I'm blessed if one person gets saved. You know why? Because, go ahead, I'm going to wait while you clap. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices when one person gets saved. So last night, they were having a party. They're like, raise the roof for Jesus. And what blew me away about that was that there was this one guy who, uh, he, he had to be 80, 85 years old. He gave his life to Jesus Christ last night. That blew me away. I said, you know, if you know, I want everybody to stand, and then if and if you want to receive Jesus in your heart and become a Christian, be born again, and 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 know that you haven't blasphemed the Holy Spirit, something I said, then 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 I want you to raise your hand. And he raised his hand, 
And then I said, now I want everybody who raised their hand and remained standing and everyone else have a seat. And they, everybody had a seat and, and two people, a lady, she might have been around 50 and he was like, he had to be at least 80. He might have been 85 years old. I, I saw him stand slowly and I saw him take a seat slowly. Older, older gentleman. It is never too late. Somebody clap your hands. Would you do that? It's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late for you to make a decision and to determine where you're going to spend eternity. And nothing should get in the way. Not people, not husband, not wife, not crowd, nothing. Like Zacchaeus, we don't know what happened between verse 7 and 8. But we do know it's in that time that a little man met a big God and he gave his heart to Jesus. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.